As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to the Beyond Gender Podcast. The place for transgender and gender variant stories and news. We're your hosts, Caleb Arring and Dorian Vendon. Join us every other week as we interview people about their experiences with trans identity and gender variants. And be sure to give us your feedback on Twitter at BeyondGenderPod. On Facebook at www.facebook.com slash beyondgenderpod or email us beyondgenderpod at gmail.com. And check out our website www.beyondgenderpod.com for resources and more info about us and the show. And if you love the show, give us five stars on iTunes. Feel free to share, comment, or get in touch with us, even to be a guest if you'd like. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Trans Podcaster Visibility Initiative. Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Beyond Gender Podcast. Sorry we're getting this up a little bit late today. It's been a crazy day, which I will get into in just a moment. But first, we have a great episode lined up for you today. We have an interview with a New York actor slash comedian. I believe in our last episode, I actually promised you a different interview, um, a really amazing conversation uh, that I had with someone. And you will still get that interview, but we're pushing it out for a couple weeks because today's guest has a live show coming up in New York, February 22nd. So I wanted to get this episode up right away. So if you happen to be in the area, you can actually go to their show if you want to. So I just wanted to make sure that we posted this before the 22nd. Um, Yeah. So my day, like I said, has been pretty crazy. And um, if you listen to this show regularly, um, you probably know that I work with immigrants. Um, and today I had an asylum interview with a client of mine and people apply for asylum in the United States if they have fled from their home country, uh, because they're afraid that they would be harmed if they stayed in that country. Um, and so they come to the United States and they ask the United States government if they can stay in our country and in order to protect themselves from their own country where they are in danger. And um, if, you ask, if you ask the United States government for this protection, they schedule you for an interview with an asylum officer and that officer uh, listens to you talk about what happened to you and why you're here in the United States. Um, and then they apply the law, the asylum law in the United States to your particular situation and determine whether or not 
uh, based on that, you have the right to stay in our country and, and be protected. And this is a non-adversarial procedure. This is supposed to be a place where people um, can come and feel safe and talk about what's happened uh, because for a lot of people, what has happened in their home country is very extreme and very traumatizing um, and and very difficult to share uh, with anyone, let alone a government official, especially if you're coming from a country where the government officials either persecuted you or wouldn't help you. Um, So these are supposed to be really safe interviews, really, really safe place to go and ask for help. Uh, But this morning I took someone to an asylum interview and at the end of the interview, uh, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement ICE officers came in to the interview and arrested my client um, for no other reason that he then that he had overstayed his visa and was here illegally. And the thing about that is that almost... I won't say almost every single person, but I would say a large majority of the people who have asylum interviews um, have overstayed visas or even entered the country without a visa, entered the country completely illegally by hopping the border um, because they had no other option and no other way. Um, But that a, a large majority of the people who are applying for asylum have no legal status in the country. So the idea that he was being arrested in an asylum interview for not having legal status is absurd. Um, so it's been a crazy day. I've been trying to find out what what other reason there is um, that, that he was taken into custody. But um, even my own personal client aside, it's just a very... Um, It's a very disturbing situation because, like I said, this is supposed to be a place where people can go, they can tell their story, and they can be safe. And so if we have immigrants who are coming to our country seeking asylum, asking for protection and safety from our government, if they can't feel safe in that process, then then what are they supposed to do and where are they supposed to go? and if, if they follow all the rules and they still are getting detained and put into ICE custody, um, then what are their options? And so, uh, yeah, so today I've just been first off trying to trying to take care of my own client and then also just trying to, to blast this out. Um, if you're on Facebook, you're welcome to check out my Facebook page. My name is Kayla Barring on Facebook. I'm the only one. Um, and I have a public post on my page about what happened. Feel free to share it. Um, and, and I spoke with a news agency earlier today, but I'm really just trying to draw attention to this. Um, first off, because I hope that it, the attention will stop them, stop ICE from doing this again. Um, and secondly, because it's important, because if this is the new normal that people can go to their asylum interview and get arrested, then people need to know that um, and and do it at their own risk. Um, because as immigration attorneys, we've always believed that our clients were safe. At least I have and other attorneys that I have worked with have always believed that our clients are safe at asylum interviews. Um, so this was really shocking. So that's a really long intro, but that's what's going on with me today. And that's also why this episode is coming out a bit later than usual today, um, because today did not at all go as planned for me. Um, And then, like I said, uh, our interviews are going to be coming up um, in a few minutes. It's not the interview that we had planned, but you will get that interview in a couple of weeks. And I believe you will also be entertained by and will enjoy today's interview. Uh, But first, as always, we're going to head over to Dorian for the news. Hello again, Dorian Brendan, back with the Beyond News segment. RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6 contestant Courtney Act was crowned the winner of this season's Celebrity Big Brother, a reality competition juggernaut in the United Kingdom. Act prevailed over conservative MP Anne Whittacombe, who placed second. Whittacombe opposed LGBT rights, including same-sex marriage, and said she hasn't changed her views after her time in the Big Brother house. Two former Australian Defence Force Academy cadets have alleged they were discriminated against for transitioning during their time in Canberra. 
Joel Wilson and Sarah Bowley said they were forced out of the Australian Defense Force after coming out as transgender, despite there being a policy in place to prevent abuse and bullying of transgender officers. New York Governor Cuomo signed an executive order banning state agencies from doing business with companies that discriminate. The order which Cuomo characterized as a reaction to moves by the Trump administration to weaken anti-discrimination rules prohibits state contracts with companies that promote or tolerate discrimination. And lastly, Canada has changed the lyrics to its national anthem to make it gender neutral after a 30-year battle against conservative opposition. The Senate voted on Wednesday to change the words in all thy sons command to in all of us command in O Canada. Since O Canada was officially made the country's national anthem in 1980, there have been 12 bills that have attempted to make the English lyrics gender neutral. This latest bill was crafted in 2016 and it was stalled in the Senate after passing in the House due to conservative opposition. That's all for the news here and beyond. Until next time, stay safe, stay connected. Today's episode of the Beyond Gender podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're the type of person who enjoys listening to podcasts, you're probably also the type of person who would love to listen to your books on audio. The best and easiest way to get audiobooks is through Audible. You can download them straight to your phone or listen to them over the cloud on your phone Listen to them on your computer and lots of other places. You can take them with you on the go, just like you do with your podcasts. Right now, Audible is giving a special deal to Beyond Gender listeners. If you sign up for an Audible membership, you can get your first book for free. And if you decide that you don't like Audible, you can always cancel. So you get one book for free just for being a Beyond Gender listener. And today, you can go get that by going to www.audibletrial.com slash beyond. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash beyond. Go start your free trial and get your first free book right now. On today's episode, I am recommending The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. That's what I'm listening to right now on Audible. It is an amazing book, very inspirational, very motivational. That's The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins, and she reads it herself for Audible, um, which makes it a lot of fun. She brings a lot of character into it. So if you want to read slash listen to the five second rule for free you can go to audibletrial.com slash beyond and without too much intro i am going to jump right into our interview with new york actor comedian becca blackwell so I'm here today with Becca Blackwell, who has a show in New York, and I'm super excited to have you on the show today, Becca. Thank you. And I would you love... You're in San Francisco, right? I'm in San Francisco, yeah. Yeah, um, I actually did my show there in September. Oh, shoot. I missed it. I don't know how I missed out on that entirely. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was. I don't think it was maybe promoted very uh, broadly in terms um, – because it was funny because there were definitely empty seats in the house. But, um, yeah, I did a, I did a one-night showing there September 17th at um, – oh, God, what is that place? Oh, man. It's in San Francisco proper. Uh, something below – Zipper, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> anyway. I'll figure it out by the end of this. Okay. Well, maybe next time you're in the city, I'll be able to make it to your show. Um, But Mm -hmm. I would love to really kick it off by just hearing a little bit from you about about who you are. Um, Well, I'm a – I guess I'm never really good at – 
<sighs> I, I'm a New York City-based uh, performer, and I've been doing. Uh, oops, I'm sorry. Turn that off. Doing shows in New York for uh, off and on for about twenty over twenty years. Um, I uh, uh, I I think I, I tended I started out in the in, in the early mid '90s, um, looking traditionally female because I kind of didn't really know that there was even a possibility to be otherwise in the entertainment business, um, in the traditional entertainment business. And, um, but I I was getting nowhere with that (laughs) very quickly because, um, the entertainment industry is the least risk taking industry because, uh, no one wants to try anything new until it's been, um, accepted by the general audience basically um so i kind of tootled along for many years just kind of scraping by with small roles with people who cast me non-traditionally and i didn't really have language around like gender stuff like i i knew trans women and we didn't even use these like kind of signifiers or language like all of it's very new even for me uh in terms of like what people want to be called and stuff like that and and I didn't even really know many like actors that weren't traditional and I tended I I kind of really knew a lot of straight people and I wasn't it was uh you know it was fine but it was a little lonely and then I started finding more queer people I started working with this circus circus amok in the late 90s (laughs) And that really uh, kind of changed my perspective in terms of like being around queer performers and um, people who are using their queerdom and their as, as social activism. Because um, I think that just having a queer body and living it authentically is a form of activism. <laughs> because um, most of the world is really conditioned to freak out about people who. V- you know, lean outside of their social construct binary stuff. And, um, I just kind of, uh, uh, slowly, but I think 2008 kind of started finding my stride a little more. And I think the, the world was changing very slowly, even in the like, uh, experimental downtown scene in terms of like more visibility or risk taking in terms of gender um, on a bigger scale. Like I think it, it's always been there. There's been artists that have always, you know, pushed gender boundaries for, you know, hundreds of years. So it's not like it's a new thing for young people or people to like make radical gender choices. That's been around since I think the beginning of time. Um, but in 2008, I just started seeing a lot more access and a lot more shows or people doing things. And, um, and then it just was kind of like in the last 10 years, a little more, uh, like a slow snowball. So I have been able to keep my head above water with work. And, um, I got a grant in 2015 from the Doris Duke foundation that literally I think, made it so that I could actually stay. Cause I think I turned about, uh, 42 or 41 at the time. And I didn't know how I was going to do it anymore. I got to an age where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And then I got that, um, award and that has just literally helped me stay afloat in the last three years, even, and, and slowly I've gotten more work and I can slowly kind of keep it going. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> that's, that's great. And then also, um, how do you identify your gender? Um, you know, I, uh, I, I guess, not I guess I do use the pronoun they, um, when it comes to any sort of like, uh, interviews, public reviews. I mean, I was trying to use that language, you know, in 2010, 11, you know, um, but no one was really no T, uh, 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 radio, TV, uh, or newspaper would even consider that because they had real strange reverence for the English language uh, of singular they. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I think the Post a couple of years ago was like, we've decided that we'll accept it. Um, <laughs> so 
I've always been because I, I was on a show called Untitled Feminist Show, and we were naked in that. And I was really, really, really uh, reticent of um, of being in that show without there being like kind of proper because they would always want to say these are six women on stage, and I was like, I don't want to say that because that's not how I identify. But I also didn't, as a person who kind of grew up in that time, I didn't even know I could identify like as something different. And I really wasn't that interested in being a man um, because I don't, I find um, men to be not as powerful or smart. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with being a man. Um, But, uh, but I also, I think it's because I also just by nature kind of had a more masculine tendency or gait. And, you know, I was, I thought women in general or femininity was way more powerful, but, um, I, I was, I didn't feel like I fit into that very well either. Um, so I like to live in terms of that ambiguity and I didn't change my name because I kind of was like, why would I be changing my name? Cause I've always connected to my name and I've always had my name and, I never thought of my name as a girly name because I grew up at a time when no one was really named Becca. Um, and then then I noticed how kind of weirded out people would be that my name was Becca. And I just being by nature kind of an asshole, I like watching people kind of like get all uncomfortable. Even like queer people are like, your name's Becca? And I'm like, yeah. And they just kind of look at me like, why? And I'm like, why not? Like, isn't that the fluidity you're all crying about all the time? Like, that someone can be named Becca and have a mustache? Like, that's what everyone's always, you know, kind of wanting is this being able to go and be and uh, present however you want. And if I wanted my name to be called Sally and have a full beard, well, then more power to me. Right. I mean, that's what everyone's like always. It's not to be like assimilating or at least to me. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the longest answer you had for that. Um, well, and then, you know, I, I know that, that you do shows um, and, and you have a show right now going on in New York. And what has that been like for you to, you know, have, what what people experience as I guess a feminine name and and um to not show up feminine like I guess how how have you experienced the world considering that I mean that's kind of been my whole life uh even when I had really long kind of I have really long I had really long red hair very orange hair and um I usually wore it in kind of a low ponytail as you know 90s butch as that was and the reason I even have long hair is because I felt like I had to have that as an actor because I needed to look female um and I've just my whole life always been I guess no one really thought of the name Becca as feminine until I guess um or there were more people named Becca and, and there became this assumption of that name in terms of like girly or something uh, probably, I don't really remember a specific time, but I, 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 uh, I don't really care anymore. The older I get, the less I care. I'm like, oh, and I think that's just, I think that's just what happens when you've been on this planet Earth and this particular meat carcass after a while. You're just like, who gives a shit? Um, and because when I did give a shit, it was it took way too much energy. Um, it was usually giving a shit for people that um, I didn't necessarily care about. I gave too much power and who actually didn't really do much for me. So <laughs> you start to realize that like giving a shit about people who love you, uh, who people who, um, you know, who want the best interest for you, who are, you know, uh, you know, cared, caring about your like, journey as opposed to like your signifiers or how you look or what you you know smell like or etc like those that's when you start to realize where to put your energy so i think i just started to not give a shit um 
I, and in fact, even before I technically quote unquote transitioned, I was just getting harassed in the women's restroom on a level where I was just like, I can't, this isn't even like, and I wasn't even like trying to quote unquote be a man or look like a man. I was just kind of being myself. And then I didn't think I looked at all like a man enough to use the men's restroom. So, um, even without someone, a quote unquote, knowing my name, I was still being really like uncomfortable, um, just in my gender presentation. Cause I, I don't know. I'm not, I am comfortable, but it was just like the world was, uh, very, um, confused and confounded and vocal about <laughs> my participation in that. So I think after a while I, I did start taking testosterone about five years ago and then I started passing as a man enough to use the men's restroom, but it doesn't take much cause men don't really look at you in the bathroom. And, um, uh, and then I just kind of like, don't care. Like if I go to an audition or something like that and people see me, it's just like, you know, it, like it, whatever they're experiencing is, is their experience. And I'm still pretty grounded in who I am. So I'm, just, and I have like a good community and I have work I make. So someone's kind of like guffaw at my identity or how I look, uh, is not my experience. It's theirs. So I just kind of move on with my day or world or whatever <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah but i mean i know that takes time like i don't think you know i think it's harder when you're younger because you are kind of paralyzed but what people think of you even if you are vocally saying you're not very hard to like fully rid that mm-hmm. it's just that's just you know takes time takes confidence and that is hard to find at times yeah, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find too. Like the older that I get, the less the less that it matters what anybody else thinks. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm you're curious. Just... I'm curious too, because um, you know, you, it seems you're very grounded in this this identity with they and with not necessarily completely um, identifying with either gender. So I'm I'm just curious about what. Um, I guess what were your motivations or emotions that went into making a decision to um, start using testosterone? Well, it was really hard because uh, I felt there was a part of me that felt like I was a bad feminist if I started doing that. And I also um, was very uh, – let me, let me preface that a little more. I guess it was just like testosterone to me seemed to be the actual fuel of the patriarchy. And would I want to then become that or something? And, and I had seen a lot of guys transitioning and using testosterone and really um, – not every guy, but a lot, enough that I started being like, why are these trans guys um, – taking testosterone and then literally capitalizing and or behaving on like the lowest bar of male behavior. Like I remember, um, a guy, this was like 2002 or three, maybe two. And he came over to my girlfriend and I's place at the time. And he had been transitioning for a while and he left the toilet seat up and it was just (laughs) the three of us, all people who were using the same, pipes and I was like why would you do that like why would you do that like that was just like to me I was just like you're a dick (laughs) (laughs) right I I mean like the you know the again like the patience I have now and I'm like oh he was just like so excited to like be able to do that he just you know was just doing that I think as a way of you know celebration of himself but he was also being a kind of like insensitive prick because a lot of cis men or even trans men I know just to be gentle people put the seat down, you know, (laughs) just because it's like, it's a kind of show of like chivalry, at least in terms of like bathroom etiquette. If you're sharing a space where many different kinds of people use the bathroom. Um, and I, I, I remember just being all like, and you know, and I also saw a lot of trans people, uh, men being really kind of uh, taken over by a lot of uh, what testosterone do, does in terms of like, kind of like amping up some rage and stuff like that. And I became like scared of it. 
and but I also, as I was getting older, was just feeling a lot of um, uncomfortable feelings inside my body and the way. I think I always felt a little like body shame and, you know, uh, and the older I got, the more I felt really invisible in terms of being a masculine woman, because it's kind of the most invisible person, more invisible than trans people, because, um, you know, the value of a woman is her attractiveness. And if you're a masculine woman, you're kind of invisible and there isn't a lot of representation of butch women at all there's more representation of trans people of color than there are of butch women of any color and uh in terms of like in the entertainment industry and stuff and and what i was working in and and i just was feeling and you know my partner aaron markey was just like you know i was really depressed like i was really 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 uh uncomfortable in my body and depressed and um you know didn't really know what to do and she kind of um said why don't you talk you know we you know we know tons and tons and tons and tons of trans people like have our community why don't you just call someone you know and talk to them and just you know and i did i talked to um I, I never know if I should use people's names, but I, I talked to Silas Howard, actually, uh, the trans director, and we're about the same age. And um, he sat down with me and he just told me and he also, you know, had the same kind of all the feelings, you know, we're of a different kind of time period. We're from 1910. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we're just from a different time period in terms of what all those things were and it was just really nice to talk to someone and he was very helpful in helping me get access to hormones and how to go through it and what to do and and it was really great and it was very helpful in this way because it was just you know uh, it really helped change a lot of like my own fears and a lot of my own um thing uh, uh, just my own uh yeah, basically my own fears and just like uh, a lot of my social constructs of my own perceived kind of like things and, and him being very much like it is your personal journey. It is your personal journey with hormones. It is your personal journey on however you want to do it and however you want to experience it. You know, if taking testosterone like after a while freaks you out, you stop. You know, he's it's like you're not, you know, you're not beholden to do it for the rest of your life. You know, maybe you just want top surgery and all these things. Like, you know, it's really up to you. And and I, I just didn't even know the resources, nor really thought that I had uh, agency to use them. Like, I just thought there's other people who um, needed it more, or that you know, it was just a lot of that kind of like. I think when you're just a person, a queer person, you just always want to take the back seat to everything. Like, oh no, it's fine, I'm fine. I'll figure it out, you know. So, I don't yeah. know if that answers your question, but... <laughs> no, yeah, that it really does. And we actually, it reminds me of a guest we had on in the past who um, talked about transitioning as, like, like, a menu at a restaurant. Like, you don't, you don't go and order everything. Like, you order whatever is right for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never, I wanted top surgery forever, but I didn't even, I mean, to me, that was something rich people got, um, kind of like tattoos. Like, you know, I wanted a million tattoos. I could never afford it. And to me, top surgery was just like, you know, I knew people that just figured it out and they were just like, I'm going to work to do that. But as someone who was making art, there was never even like, I wouldn't even, even comprehended how to like save up, five thousand if not ten thousand dollars like that didn't even know how to like become like that was just like a (laughs) what whatever like i didn't even think about it and then when um cuomo passed the law our governor of new york state uh, passed the law that all transition medical procedures must be covered by health insurance in new york state um that radically changed everything and I actually, and because we have the current state where we have to have insurance, which I never had had until Obama passed all that. I'd never had insurance, you know, since like I was a kid with under my parents' insurance. And, uh, and then after our current administration, I was just like, well, if they've, 
you know, fuck up our insurance. I'm just going to do this. And and that to me was like so life changing. Cause I was like, wow, I, I really didn't realize how much my shape made me feel uncomfortable. And I'm still on testosterone, but it's not as important to me mm-hmm. in a way. just because I was like, Oh, that's the, that was the thing that always made me feel, you know, awkward in many ways. But yeah, you're right. It's just like your this person said. It's just like what you need. You know, it just I think that's just how it is with anything you do. You know, that's like food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, I'm like, no, everyone has to eat a burger. You know, it's like it's just like you you, you eat with what you, you know your body needs, and I think that's just how everything works. <laughs> but yeah, the world doesn't really revolve around that in certain other ways. You know. It's very much like if you have this flesh between your legs, you have to act this way. Because if you don't, I don't know my own identity, you know? <laughs> and you're like, you don't do that with anything else. Like if I wear these clothes. But some people do freak out about that. Some people do freak out if you eat this or you wear that or you, you know. Because they're, I, I always feel those people aren't grounded in their own kind of truth enough that anyone else deviating from what they think their truth is challenges their own kind of like beliefs and then they have to act out because it's not deeply believed in their whole body i guess i don't know yeah yeah i can definitely see that there's that that happens sometimes um and then also just uh, changing gears a bit i would love to hear more about um the show that you have going on right now and if somebody were to come to your show what could they expect (laughs) oh i get so scared caleb um i it's called they themselves and shmerm and it was at the z z below that's where i did it Hmm. at z space in san francisco on florida street um i uh, they themselves and shmerm was a piece uh a solo piece i wrote uh originally the original script was a october 2015 I did it at the Wild Project here in New York City and I really thought it was going to be a one and done um, it was directed by Ellie Heyman and I collaborated in the development with Joe Pangalo and Jess Barbagallo and um, I, it, it, I, I was always told that I needed to write my own show I never wanted to my friend Michelle Matlock basically said to me, um, you're never going to see yourself represented on stage unless you write your own material. And I, you know, it was kind of like really like, oh, that's my worst nightmare. And then I just started working on it and trying to figure out like what it is I wanted to talk about because I kind of found solo shows to be kind of didactic and trite and people talking way too long. And <laughs> and um and then I found this uh, piece online called Me, Myself, and I that was like a Corey Hain PR video he did in 1988 or 89. And um, I watched it, and I couldn't believe what I saw. It was so uncomfortable and weird and, like, insane. And I was like, who backed this? <laughs> like, who <laughs> gave the green light to this? This is bonkers. Because this is before, like, this would have been gone like a YouTube video, but this is like before that. So it just kind of went straight to video. And it was just about Corey Haim, like him being like, look, I like to play hockey and watch me play tennis. And I love fashion. And here I am playing on a synthesizer. And this is how I became an actor. And it was just so surreal. And, um, Anyone who wants to watch it, you can YouTube it, me, myself, and I, Corey Haim, and I guarantee you, you'll just be like, wow. And I use that as kind of like um, like a, a weird prototype or a container to like start with. And what I really saw and connected to was the drug use that he was obviously hiding. I, I'm someone who has a lot of sexual abuse history in my younger life, and I saw a lot of that. It was obvious, like, you know, you can smell it out when you're someone um, – it's like how you can kind of smell someone who's queer or not. Uh, you can smell someone who's been sexually abused. It's a superpower. And um, and also just in the business of like as an actor and just kind of just the way it really chews people up and just all of that. And so I was like, oh, I don't know what this is. but And then I sent it to my friend Jill Pangalo and we just started kind of like really like easy peasy loosely working on it together 
she was a really great person. She also develops her own work. She was just kind of really easy to bang ideas off of and she was really helpful and just having little deadlines for me. And then I started like, you know, I went to Dixon place and I asked them if I could use the space they had in the free night with. So I had a deadline, invited people. And, th- and basically I created this piece that's kind of about like all these weird stories in my life about being sexually abused, drug used, being a performer, my gender. And I think it, hopefully the goal is it kind of culminates to like all of these stories and experiences made me the person you see standing here. And I, I kind of wouldn't give them all up because they're making what you're seeing. And, you know, um, and, you know, I, I'm every day trying to learn to love myself and humanity better. I think it's like the, the overall arc of the concept of the show. But I, I do it with a lot of kind of really body, um, really low bar and somewhat offensive humor. <laughs> okay. Um, and how long is that going to be showing for? Uh, I have one showing of it at, at Joe's Pub, February 22nd at 9.30. Um, and then uh, I will probably be, it because it never seems to die, I'll probably be uh, touring it um, in colleges or spaces. I have a lot of people that are really interested in bringing it there. But, you know, it's all talk until someone writes me a check. So. <laughs> <laughs> And so I guess for people that um, can't make it on the 22nd, is there a website where they can keep up with you and, and yes. find out? Yes. Caleb, you're so good at this. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's BeccaBlackwell.com, B-E-C-C-A-B-L-A-C-K-W-E-L-L.com. And I am pretty good about um, <laughs> making sure that what's happening there, you can find out where and get tickets and stuff like that. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to put that um, in the show notes, too, so people can yes. just click right on. Thank you. Um, yeah. And do you have any other shows on the horizon, or this is this is the one that, that people can see you in for now? Um, you know, uh, I do, I, I mean, a lot of things are in the works. I, um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm come, I'm, I'm in a, a, a Noah Baumbach film that probably won't come out till next year or so. Um, uh, I, hopefully, uh, my partner, Aaron Markey wrote, uh, a musical that we've toured before that might tour again, a ride on the Irish cream. I am in development with uh, Soho Rep here in New York about making an all-trans production of an American canon theater piece that we're still um, uh, figuring out the details to, and that's something to look forward to in 2019. Uh, I'm always making new stuff. So uh, I have a a project of film pieces that you can find on my website that I make with uh, my your friend Nick Zeke Owens and Jess Barbagallo. So, I mean, there's something I'm always trying to do. So, you know, I'm always making sure there's something I'm making. Oh, I also have a live show I'm doing in Philly, uh, March 16th at, um, the fringe art space, uh, called snatch Adams. It's that time of the month variety show. And I am a (laughs) six foot tall, uh, vagina that my, uh, puppeteer genius friend Amanda Villalobos uh, made along with my companion Tainty McCracken which is uh, Amanda Duarte dressed up as a taint (laughs) and basically a taint with testicles and an anus and we have a talk show variety show that we'll be doing at uh, Fringe Arts March 16th with our guest Jennifer Kidwell who will be a diva cup (laughs) so these are (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's something for all the Philly people that are uh, in. So that's the next live thing after Joe's pub. Awesome. Well, that's very <laughs> exciting. Um, it sounds like there are a lot of places that, that we can, we can catch you. Um, yes. And then another question, and this is just a question that I like to ask all of sure. the guests that we have on the show. Um, if they're, were if there was somebody listening right now who um, is maybe questioning their gender identity or doesn't feel comfortable um, with their gender um, as they're currently being identified, um, 
what advice would you have for them? Oh, that's a hard one. I mean, my advice is to always um, uh, listen to your gut, which is really hard because we don't um, honor that in the world. But, um, you know, uh, find a community of friends or even one friend that you feel like can really uh, be your confidant and talk. Uh, Or, you know, even online, there's uh, people that you can find that can kind of just be a, a good listener um, know that you don't have to rush into anything that, um, you know, it, it seems really like, um, like, uh, panicked for like immediate change. And like, you'll want something to like, be like, I need this cut off or I need this added or I need this, or I can't survive and that you can, and that there is, um, no one is <clears throat> a man a woman and that this is nothing to do with the, the flesh between your legs or the pipes you use, but that man and woman are social constructs and that you actually have the power to, um, be however you want to be. And that the more authentic you are, that you are going to come up against challenges because a lot of people don't know how to be authentic to themselves. They are based on what they're told they should be and that it takes great strength And that whenever you do feel really sad or dark is to honor how strong you're being by being yourself. Um, And that uh, there is, um, you know, there's always going to be obstacles in life. And that each one that you come across is to remember that each time you're getting, you're hurtling over that, that that is just your spirit uh, showing you how strong you are and that you are, um, you know, some things can always help you feel better in your body, but ultimately it's really kind of about you loving yourself, um, however you are and that you can be many things, but, um, uh, you know, getting a mustache and getting my fun bags taken off definitely made maybe things a little easier, but I still had to kind of reckon with, my feelings and my self value and worth. And that was something I had to really uh, reach into it. And that, that is, you know, that um, physical signifiers are helpful, but really ultimately it's about your spirit and, um, and love. I don't know if that was helpful, but <laughs> yeah, no, that was, um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of gems in that answer. Thank you. <laughs> You can edit that to make me sound a lot smarter. <laughs> no, I think I think it's really great just the way it is. And it's just, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Well, thank you, Caleb. And thank you for your patience with our schedules. I hope you enjoyed that interview and we will be back here again in two weeks. And this time I will be airing the interview that I had referenced before. Um, uh, It was a really great conversation that I had with somebody that just went to a lot of really interesting and intriguing places. I think that you'll really enjoy it and we'll be back here with that in two weeks. Today's episode of the Beyond Gender podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're the type of person who enjoys listening to podcasts, you're probably also the type of person who would love to listen to your books on audio. The best and easiest way to get audiobooks is through Audible. You can download them straight to your phone or listen to them over the cloud on your phone Listen to them on your computer and lots of other places. You can take them with you on the go, just like you do with your podcasts. Right now, Audible is giving a special deal to Beyond Gender listeners. If you sign up for an Audible membership, you can get your first book for free. And if you decide that you don't like Audible, you can always cancel. So you get one book for free just for being a Beyond Gender listener. And today, 
you can go get that by going to www.audibletrial.com slash beyond. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash beyond. Go start your free trial and get your first free book right now. On today's episode, I am recommending The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. That's what I'm listening to right now on Audible. It is an amazing book, very inspirational, very motivational. That's The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins, and she reads it herself for Audible, um, which makes it a lot of fun. She brings a lot of character into it. So if you want to read slash listen to the five second rule for free you can go to audibletrial.com slash beyond thanks again for listening to another great episode of the beyond gender podcast we will be back here again in two weeks with another brand new story to tell If you want to learn more about news or the people and projects we spoke about, check out beyondgenderpod.com as always. Give us your thoughts and feedback on Twitter at beyondgenderpod or Facebook, www.facebook.com slash beyondgenderpod. Or email us at beyondgenderpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Matt Van Horn for mixing and editing. Broke for free for our music, and of course, Lux for our artwork. Dorian Brendan for news, production, and the occasional host slot. And our producer and host with the most, Caleb Arring. Did I do that right? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.